It's my prayer that each of us today can offer that proclamation. We've, we've sung it so many times already that it is well with my soul. If that's not the, the testimony of your heart, if, if that's not within your spirit and your soul, I pray today that you would experience the grace of God, the healing of God, in a new and different and deeper way today than ever before. Because there is so much heartbreak. There is so much brokenness in our world and in our lives and in our families today that only by the grace of God can we proclaim and declare that it is well with my soul. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in their spirit. Father, we pray that today that You would come and that You would minister to us. Lord, that You would bring Your gift of grace and of salvation. Lord, that we would know that You are here present with us, the brokenhearted. Lord, oh, so many of us could give testimony today that, that we feel crushed. Crushed in our spirits, crushed in our relationships, in our families, in so many different ways. So today we cry out, Lord, help. I'm brokenhearted. Come, Lord Jesus, and heal us in this very moment, in this very hour. Amen. Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer, a real estate investor in Chicago in the 19th century. He had everything going for him. Everything that you could want, a, a prosperous career, a, a loving wife, and five beautiful children. But in 1870, a series of events began to change Horatio's life and his fortunes. His four-year-old son died that year of scarlet fever. The pandemic of the day a pandemic that affected children. Three to 15-year-olds was that key area that, that scarlet fever would ravage itself upon. Whereas today, our pandemic is, is, seems to be for that older part of our population. Those that have health issues, but Horatio knew the pain and the death of the loss of a child during this scarlet fever pandemic. The following year, if you know the history of Chicago in 1871, was the Great Fire. And Horatio, being a, a real estate investor, lost much of his fortune in that fire. A few years later, in 1873, still working through the grief of the loss of a son and, and of the misfortune of his, his investments, Horatio determined that it was important and needed for he and his family to get away for a while. And so he booked a journey to England on an ocean liner that would take him to England so he could join up with his good friend D.L. Moody who was planning and preparing a, an evangelistic tour of England. 
And Horatio thought it would be good for he and his wife and his four children to go and to, to enjoy and to, to share in some of that tour with him, a time to renew his spirit, his soul, his family. So the family made plans to, 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 to go to New York where they would get on that ocean liner and as it would be just days before, moments before, Horatio and his family were to leave on that ocean liner business came up that he could not avoid and that he had to tend to and and so instead of canceling the trip he and his wife worked out a deal where he would join them as soon as possible he promised he guaranteed his wife that it would only take a few extra days and that he would be right behind them so he said goodbye to his family four days later he received the telegram the devastating news that his wife and daughter's ocean liner had collided with another. 226 people were lost until the disaster with the Titanic. That was the greatest, one of the greatest disasters at sea. When the survivors of that ocean liner collision reached Wales, Horatio received a telegram that simply said this, Saved alone, what shall I do? Immediately, Horatio left Chicago to join his grieving wife as they had lost their four daughters. En route to England, the captain called Horatio to the bridge to tell him that they were crossing the point where the ships had collided and where his children had met their death. And according to his daughter that was born after this tragedy, there on that voyage across the Atlantic, Horatio Spafford wrote the lyrics to the hymn that we just sang, It is well with my soul. Again, that first stanza, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows, sorrows, a man who knew sorrows, a man who knew what it was to be heartbroken, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Have you ever experienced the heartbreak of such tragedy? Have you ever had your heart broken by someone else? A friend, a, a spouse, a, a parent, a child. Has someone ever done something or said something to you that, that was so devastating that it shattered and broke your heart? Have you ever come face to face with your own rottenness? Heartbreak. 
heartbroken over, I, I can't believe that I did that. I, I can't believe that I said that. And it just, it broke your heart to know what was inside and what came out in that, in that moment, whether intentional or spontaneous. And you stepped back and you thought, oh my God, I am so broken. And the brokenness within just shattered your heart to see yourself honestly in that light. Again, the psalmist cries out on our behalf in Psalm 147.3, The Lord heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. Church, this is the good news that we have today. This is the good news that we have to share with our heartbroken world. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12 tells the heartbreaking story of David and Bathsheba and the prophet Nathan. David was the king of Israel who, by the way, had eight wives. We could save that for another sermon some other time, right? David's armies had mobilized and they had gone out to meet the enemy. Yet David commander-in-chief, stayed home in Jerusalem instead of going out with his armies. And one evening, he was walking around the roof of his house in the cool of the evening, and he noticed a woman bathing in the privacy of her own home. Her name was Bathsheba. And the irony of all this is that her husband, Uriah, was away serving in King David's army. The lust within David's heart paired with his lack of self-control and his unchecked power enticed him to have Bathsheba brought to him. And there he seduced Uriah's wife, and she became pregnant. In trying to cover up his sin, David had Uriah return to Jerusalem with the expectation that he would reunite with his wife. However, Uriah was a man of honor. And he would not go into his wife while his fellow soldiers were suffering on the battlefield. David, frustrated and committed to covering up his own sin, sent Uriah back to the battlefield with a sealed note to his commander, a sealed note that carried his death warrant. The commander opened up that note with the king's order to send Uriah to the front of the battle lines so that he might be killed in action. When Bathsheba heard of her husband's death, she mourned. Certainly she mourned his death, but maybe even a part of the grief and the depth of her own brokenness was the evil that had been done against her by her king. 2 Samuel chapter 12, I'll pick up the story in 
I want to read this powerful encounter when the, the prophet Nathan hears of David's acts of his evil against Bathsheba and against Uriah, and Nathan goes to confront the king. But he goes to confront the king with a story, a parable. The Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and he said, There were two men in one city. The one was rich and the other was poor. And the rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and he nourished, and it grew up together with him and his children, and it would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom and was like a daughter to him. Now a, a traveler came through and, and came to the rich man, and he was unwilling, this rich man was unwilling to take from his own flock or from his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, this rich man took the poor man's ewe lamb and he prepared it. He slaughtered it and he prepared it for the man who had come to him. And as David heard this story, his anger burned greatly against that man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. This man must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and he had no compassion. And Nathan looked at David and he said to him, David, you are the man. Verse 9, why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? What a tragic, what a, what a heartbreaking story. I wonder if we, I wonder if you, I wonder if I can find ourselves within this story. First of all, can you relate to Bathsheba? Can you relate to her broken heart? Nathan described her as the cherished and innocent lamb, wife of a poor and powerless man, a, a common soldier, taken and put to death by the powerful, rich man. Bathsheba was seduced and victimized by another who unjustly exercised his power and authority over her to fulfill his selfish appetites. Surely she must have been threatened by the king not to tell her husband or, or there would be serious consequences. If she would just go along with his plan, everything would work out. And then to discover 
that her husband had been killed because he would not play his role in the king's attempt to cover up the king's deception and immorality. Instead, it was her husband who acted with honor and humility, qualities that should have been exemplified by the king. Tragically and heartbreakingly, doing the right thing cost Uriah his life. Oh, how Bathsheba must have hurt and grieved, heartbreak upon heartbreak. And as you read the story, you understand that the, the baby that she was to have would, would die right after childbirth. Heartbreak upon heartbreak. Can, can you relate to Bathsheba? What about to Nathan? Can you relate to Nathan's heartbreak? He, he was the prophet of Israel. He had the ear of the king. Maybe he had the ear of Bathsheba as well. For some way, Nathan discovered David's actions, his evil actions. Nathan must have been heartbroken to hear that his king had sinned and, and perpetrated this kind of evil. After all, David was the Lord's anointed. The Spirit of God was supposed to be upon David. Yet David's actions were far from the influence and character of the Spirit of God upon his life. Like Nathan, we too find ourselves heartbreak, heartbroken by the, the sin and the evil that we see in others. We become disappointed and even disillusioned by their words and by their actions, by their sin. Has your heart ever been broken over the, the sin, over the words, the actions of a family member, a spouse, a friend? Someone in leadership and authority that you thought knew better? Does your heart even now break over the trouble and turmoil in our nation? over the actions of national, state, and local leaders? Does your heart break when you see people victimized and when you see people hurt others? Even Jesus wept when He saw the brokenness of Jerusalem. Nathan's broken heart was the result of the evil that he saw and its devastating impact that he witnessed. Can you relate to Nathan? And finally, can, can you relate to David? To David's broken heart. Thank goodness for the strength and the courage and the righteous anger that, that enveloped Nathan. And Nathan had the, the courage to be obedient and to follow the Lord's instruction and go and confront David. David was so caught up in his own pride, in his own position, in his own power, that, that I truly believe he was unaware of his sin. In his mind, he must have justified 
over and over again and cast the blame upon others, freeing himself from any responsibility or recognition of any wrongdoing on his part. After all, he was the king. He couldn't do anything wrong. If Uriah had just gone into his wife, none of this would have happened. You see, we can always blame someone else so that we don't have to deal with our own sinfulness. We don't have to deal with the rottenness that resides within us. You see, it was only after Nathan shared this story of a a poor man and his only lamb that David became aware of what was inside of him. It was as if Nathan ripped off the calluses of David's heart and exposed the darkness within. And coming face to face with his own evil, his own wickedness, David's heart broke. It broke with repentance as he cried out to God for healing and forgiveness. Let's be honest. Have you ever been confronted by that brokenness, by that evil that, that lurks within? Have you ever looked into the mirror deep enough and honest enough to, to be able to say, I am the man, I am the woman? Can you relate to David? Psalm 51 is David's prayer of confession and repentance to the Lord. We believe it's, it's, it's the psalm, it's the prayer that he wrote immediately after being confronted with his sin by the prophet Nathan. Maybe it's a prayer that you should offer, that, that we should offer. Maybe it's a prayer that you should spend some time reflecting on and saying, Lord, this is the prayer of my heart as well. Listen to some of those powerful verses and, and prayer lines that David offers. Be gracious to me, God, according to your loving kindness. You can just see, David, Lord, I, I don't deserve your grace, but be gracious to me, Lord. You are the covenant God. You, you're the God who is loving and kind and gracious. I don't deserve it, but God, please, Please be gracious to me. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Every time he looked around, there was Bathsheba, there was, there was the army, there, there was someone, something to remind him of his own treachery against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Now certainly we need to understand that our sin has devastating impact on others. David's sin killed a man. But David understood that first and foremost that he had sinned against a holy God. And he cried out, beginning in that place, beginning with God, God, against you I have sinned. 
Create in me a clean heart. My heart is broken. It is dirty. It's, it's filthy. God, create in me a clean heart, a new heart. And do not cast me from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. David knew he was guilty of the blood of Uriah. O oh God, the God of my salvation. There is that link again between our brokenness, our sinfulness, and our need for a gracious God to be a saving God. And he concludes with this thought, a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. Oh, do, do you hear that? That's David's hope. That's his, his prayer. Is that if he comes to God with a contrite, a repentant heart, an honest heart, that God will not refuse that. That our gracious, loving God will receive that confession and begin to do a work of healing and cleansing in his heart. I believe that David was heartbroken when he realized the evil and wickedness that lurked within him. For the first time, he saw that he was the man. Have you? Have you seen that of yourself? If so, if so, will you like David be honest? Be honest with yourself and cry out to God. Let Him take the broken pieces of your heart and let Him bind them together and cleanse them and create within you a new heart. So today, can you relate to Bathsheba, Nathan, and David? Or maybe you, you can relate to all three. Maybe you can relate to Horatio Spafford and the tragic, heartbreaking events that seem to be his constant companion. Every time you turn around, it seems like something else is entering into your life, is thrusting itself upon your family that brings more heartache, more sickness, more pain. If this is true, church, we have good news. We have good news for you today. We have good news for a broken world. You see, there is someone who can help. And we've been in this help series. I'm surprised none of you have asked me when we're going to have the Beatles reference. It's today. Listen to the song, the first lines of this Beatles song, Help. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, I know I need someone. Help, if you are heartbroken today, if you can relate to these stories that we've told, you need help. And you need help from someone. But not just anybody. Not just anybody can help you. You need someone who can restore your heart, who can restore your brokenness, who can mend and put back together the pieces of your heart and to cleanse them and to make a new heart and to offer a new life cleansed 
changed. You need Jesus. You need a Savior. We've already read them. Listen again to just the first verse of Isaiah 61. They are the prophetic words that tell us of the coming Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon the Messiah because the Lord anointed him to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Years later, in a synagogue in Nazareth, Jesus would open the scroll of Isaiah and he would read this passage. And when he closed the scroll and he put the scroll down, he said this, Today, today in this moment, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus was telling them and telling us that he is the Lord the Lord who heals the brokenhearted and binds up there, binds up our wounds. Jesus is not just anybody. He is the Lord. He is the somebody who has been sent to bind up the brokenhearted. He is the somebody that has been sent into a broken world for the purpose of healing and cleansing and putting us and our broken hearts back together. Too many of us have turned to and keep turning to just anybody to heal our hearts and our lives. Oh, that today would be the day that you pick up the pieces of your broken heart and broken life and hand them to somebody, hand them to Jesus who can then begin His work of salvation, of cleansing, of creating a new heart within you. And if you will take that step of faith and that step of obedience today, I believe that you too will be able to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Let's pray. Father, we have been powerfully moved by your scriptures today and by the promise that you offer in your word that you are near to the brokenhearted and that your desire, your desire is to heal those who are crushed in their spirit and in their lives. And that you have sent your Son, the somebody, to be our Savior. Father, thank you for your loving kindness and your grace, even when we have turned our backs on that at times. And oh, today, Lord, even as we sing, 
I pray that your spirit might draw each of us to decision, each of us to repentance, each of us to confession. God, I'm broken. Help. God, heal our broken hearts even today. In Jesus' name, amen. So how do we begin? We have to confess. We have to acknowledge our hurt, our, our hearts, our, our hurt, our brokenness. Oh, would you do that today? We have to confess as David, if we find ourselves as David, we have to confess our own sinfulness. We have to come to him. He's taken the first step to come to us. That's His grace. By faith, we receive that. Would you do that today? Let's stand and sing, and let's make our commitments to the Lord.